0: Welcome Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball.
1: Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this mid-week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, dropping the series two games to one. It is their fifth straight series loss. They are five games out of the lead in the American League East. Yankees are roughly two or three games out. They're still playing the White Sox in the Field of Dreams game as always a quick disclaimer for any first time listeners this is not a homer podcast we call it how we see it when the red Sox are dominating we will celebrate that when they are getting destroyed we will be critical and at times savagely blunt if you are easily offended press the stop button immediately but for those who embrace it Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at BastardsBoston. Co hosting with me tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew?
0: What's going on, guys? Obviously nothing great, right? The Red Sox are kind of the same status as the city of Denver is right now, just like fully on fire, smoke everywhere, just warning signs. uh, We've had the worst air quality in the world the last week straight, so if I sound a little raspy, I do apologize. (laughs) We're getting
1: some – apparently there's some fires in Canada going on So our air quality with the humidity here in New England is not great.
0: (laughs) Uh, Just cakes and blankets onto you and it's the humidity too.
1: Yeah, tomorrow's going to be in the mid-90s all the way up in Maine. So (laughs) also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard.
2: Job. How are we doing, everybody? Uh. I was at tonight's game, so I'm very excited to break down this series with you guys and the dumpster fire that it was for two-thirds of it.
1: Yeah, you know, three wins so far. Friday will be August 13th. Not good. I mean, we're having a 2020 month, it feels like. Not a whole lot of winning, so... Uh, Andrew, your thoughts?
0: I mean... The truest definition of the dog days of summer going on right now it sucks. Joe, how much is a beer at Fenway these, these days?
2: Uh, beer Under thirteen. Okay, that's actually not as bad as I it was going to be. They're $10.50 <laughs> if you get it from the guy who walks around with beer on his head.
0: Ah, because they know you're not going to get that 50 cents back, so they can just jack it up and you're going to give them 11 exactly. and Exactly. They know All you're
2: right. going to make 11. It's <laughs> a good move. <laughs>
0: Probably it's get a good so free move, agent man, out of extra fifty cents from a million people this year.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. But you know how I am? I don't ever get up during the game FNY. <laughs> Not for any reason. At any point until the last out, I'm in my seat. Yeah. So they get like an extra three, four dollars from me over the course of the inning because I don't want to go to you know, I don't want to go wait in line. And then the hot dog guy gets an extra couple of dollars and the you know, go down the line. The peanut guy gets an extra <laughs> couple of bucks. I'm out an extra like $20 because I refuse to go wait in lines.
0: They, they know how to do it. They've, they've mastered it. Larry Lucchino is smiling listening to this somewhere.
2: You oh, guys yeah.
1: probably won't like this section as much as I do, but I kind of like to sit in the Coke seats. I like that elevated view. And right behind that. Know. right Where behind, are those? It's, they're in the second deck almost all the way to the end on the left field side.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Where, where
2: the where the monster is, but a little bit I don't
0: think those were around place. when I moved out in 20... Like, I was... The last game I went was... It was a Josh Beckett versus CeCe Sabathia matchup in, like, April. It was on the monster seats. I don't even know if those that Coke section was around back then. I
1: think... I think it was. The, the Coke sign, Yeah, because I got the O. No, that's the 0-4 panoramic one. But... The what I like about it though is you got you have to like the elevated view to sit up there to begin with, but but you're kind of at the end of the line up there on that second deck, and you have your own concession area almost right behind you. Oh, it's, I like that. It's never mobbed. There's a bathroom right there, so it's I, I like the
2: elevation too, especially at Fenway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I like it, and the the tickets uh, we always get it on a third party. App, but they end up being between like sixty-five and seventy-five bucks.
0: Jesus Christ! Oh man, you guys would not want to know. What, you wouldn't want to know what I pay out here. <laughs> I stand uh, right above peanuts. the bullpen, for like eight bucks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could sit. We've sat in straightaway center for like thirty bucks, and I can I can still see balls and strikes even with my eyes. But the only problem is I is can't even see
2: home plate really oh, i i oh, like forget it i'm so blind i'm like watching the scoreboard the whole time if i sit in center so well, i can't you, sit in center anymore yeah
1: if you don't have good eyesight then you, you probably don't want to sit out there but the one major drawback is that's those are the some of the cheaper seats and if you're like in the middle of your row or well towards the end of it rather you're getting up every 30 seconds so someone's eight-year-old can go to the bathroom or oh something. i hate yeah. that yeah yeah so that's <laughs> what i don't like about it but yeah. So anyway, so we're going to get into another kind of tough series. I've definitely got some, some strong thoughts on it, where the team is. Perhaps you gentlemen do as well. Going to have some roster decisions coming up. So there's going to be some trimming of the fat as Andrew said in the pre-show. And speaking of trimming attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Boston. Do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at manscape have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation, brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet in the performance package. Oops. That's awkward. My phone shut off on me. <laughs> Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off. Plus, free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. The fourth generation trimmer also features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Ouch. Thanks to their advanced skin safe technology, the Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor, a multi function on off switch which can engage a travel lock and is even waterproof. Get 20% off free shipping with the code fansided 20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code fansided 20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you.
0: (laughs) That just reminded me of something, and... And it is Red Sox related. Does anyone remember? Anyone else remember like those interviews? Jake Peavy definitely gave one where he, he said he put a uh, icy hot on his balls before pitching. <laughs> he, and I think Clemens did too. And because they like didn't want to be comfortable and they wanted to be all antsy. So now, now I mean, maybe the Red Sox are getting a little too comfortable. Their bullpen pitchers are getting a little too comfortable using the manscape. And they got to go to some little more uh, abrasive and brash to get them Get him through the 6th through 8th inning, you know?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised an Alabama <laughs> guy like Jake Peavy would be messing around with Icy Hot.
0: Now you put spider Tack on there. My, one of my favorite
1: stories I heard about Peavy was he and Pruszynski in Chicago, they were both White Sox and, you know, often battery mates. And they got into it one game and it was pretty public so naturally the beat writers in Chicago wanted to know what happened so they they go up to PV and they're like what was that fight with uh, Presensky about and he goes oh well we were just fighting about like a hunting trip and we were arguing over which animal was like the tougher kill <laughs> and so the beat writers are like all right, well, let's go get A.J.'s side. And A.J.'s like, oh, we were arguing about college football. He's an Alabama guy. I'm a Florida State guy. So their stories weren't well, straight. More
0: believable than the Mets saying that there was a raccoon in the dugout. Yeah. That was earlier this year.
1: Yeah. Had they only rehearsed it, it, it right? would have been really passable. <laughs> but, yeah, that was uh, McNeil and Lindor in the Mets' uh, dugout, but. They're having a whole lot of issues, much like us. But so getting into the series Tuesday night, Red Sox lost that one eight to four with Eduardo Rodriguez pitching. Rodriguez did pitch pretty well uh, in that start. Wednesday night was probably the highest scoring Red Sox output we've seen all season. Just off the top of my head, that was twenty to eight. It was twenty to one going into highest the night. Highest
2: since two thousand fifteen.
1: Highest since 2015. All right, and Nathan Avaldi got that start, and then finally today in the finale, Red Sox lose that one, eight to one. Offense complete no show. Two was two hit, and by two hit I mean hit only two balls. Hauk got the start in that one. We'll be getting into him shortly. I just want to say this about today before we do get into studs and duds, and we're going to start with the dud side since that's – since we lost the series. But you score 20 runs, and then Tampa brings in all of their B-level guys with the exception of McHugh, who's pitched very well all season in high leverage. But that Rasmussen kid, I'm not familiar with him. He got the start. Yeah, he was nasty, but Red Sox completely shut down with the exception of Devers. Chargoyce, if that's how he pronounces it, not that familiar with him. Head, Sheriff, none of their best pitchers showed up in this game, and we hit two balls after hitting, after scoring 20 runs the night before. Just a complete loss of momentum. This was ugly. This was an ugly way to end the series, and I felt okay about it coming into it. I thought, okay, we might we might win one. We might cruise into the Orioles series with a little bit of momentum and just fell right out of the sky.
0: I mean, do you want me to lead off? Yeah, Go ahead. I'm switching it up. It's, it's Liam Hendricks who just led up four runs to the Yankees. Oh, my God. Um, all right, but real talk. Yaxel Rios. I'm not even going to bother looking at a stat line that I have in front of me. That was just. <laughs> that ball that Mike Zunino hit was just unbelievably crushed. That was like that one Hunter Redfro hit last year against the Red Sox. And the one, um, I think Ab Duvall might have put one onto the pike too against them. It was probably against uh, like Kyle Hart or whoever those scrubs were. It, it was just absolutely demolished. It wasn't even, it wasn't even, you know, a contestable pitch. There was no reason to throw it. I His days are numbered whatever they gave up nothing for him they needed some bodies for the bullpen because they did go through they have been going through a stretch here where they've run into some injuries like please come back soon darwin's in and yeah we he's got he's got good stuff at times but he can't harness it and it's not going to play in a first division like the al east he's not a first division regular he's a second or third division regular at best And that won't play, and I don't think we'll have to see him play much longer.
2: Yeah, I was at today's game. He threw meatballs for the entirety of his performance. I wasn't happy he was in the game to begin with, to to be frank. Uh, I had some issues with how Cora managed today's game. But Rios has been a seesaw ride. Really, it's like every time I'm ready to give up on him, he'll go out there and shut some guys down. And then every time I, I think he's starting to, like, put something together, he goes out and gets shelled. So, unreliability. under liability. Matt Andrees 2.0. I'm all done with both of them. I hope he enjoys A Portland or a different roster at, the, at this point pretty soon. Because
1: I think his roster spot is worth more than he is. I don't have a ton to add on Rios. Job, you mentioned a seesaw. He was terrible today, but pitched very well in one inning. In Wednesday's game, the 20-8 to game, he had a full inning. Didn't give up a hit or a walk. Struck out one. Kind of cruised through the inning. And then today, like you said, uh, just kind of... Just kind of fell off the cliff and gave up a couple of runs over two innings. We're gonna get into the bullpen mostly on the next episode of Deep Dives. There's ton to go, tons to go over. We'll debate whether maybe his roster spot is up. Perhaps maybe Robles or or Davis. Although Davis, I believe, does have options. But we're, we're going to get into all of it. A big topic in that episode will also be Matt Barnes, which we'll be getting into in depth as well. So be on the lookout for that one. 24 hours after this episode, Job, your dud for the series.
2: My dud's going to be Marlon Gonzalez. It'll surprise a lot of people that we're going with the offense in a series where they scored 20 runs in, in one of these games. But Marwin has just been super inconsistent. He's putting the ball in play occasionally. Uh, a lot of weak contact, though, a lot of weak ground balls. And I just don't see the value of having him in the lineup. He was 2 for 8 in the series. Um, his two hits were in the game where we scored 20 runs. And I believe one of them was off a position player. So when I look at it like that, I just don't understand how he can be hitting 6th in the lineup at this point. It's a, waste of a, it's a waste of a roster spot to have him unless he's going to be a late-game defensive replacement. And I understand there's some injuries going on, and that's probably why he's still here. But if he's still here in three weeks when we're up against it and we're maybe hopefully not playing for a wild card, but we're probably going to be playing for a wild card, and if he's in the lineup, it's like a free out, similar to what Frenchie Cordero was early on in the season. Yeah. You know, I
0: mean, they have guys on the roster that were never intended to be fully on the roster at all. Like it was supposed to be one of them at a time, not all three of them when it comes down to, well, Danny Santana is no longer there, but just as an example, um, I have no problem if they got Marwin on this team and he came in in the ninth inning to, you know, defensive replacement. Yeah, exactly. Right. And you know, I honestly would trust him in the outfield over uh, um, Duran, if we're being frank here. I we need we need some bodies to come back because Schwarber freaking rain tonight, man. I, maybe they're gonna have him play the doubleheader in Worcester tomorrow, but we need him. We need Verdugo back, who was on his way. He probably could have played if it was a night game. Um, our the roster is just gonna look so much. Deeper in a few days, because right now we're we're just getting nothing, literally nothing. And Marwin was actually solid at the beginning of the season, and it looked like it was going to be an adequate uh, move. Which I mean, they they gave him pennies. Uh, I, they just got to they have to figure it out. Um, who's going to take some spots over? Because I am all set with seeing a bunch of those guys that are on the back end of the roster. About Schwarber,
1: just in the last few minutes, he is expected to play tomorrow in Pawtucket, uh, well, Worcester rather, and uh, there's going to be a doubleheader, so how much of it he plays uh, is still up in the air. They are going to finalize it tomorrow, but he will be in Worcester tomorrow, so... Any shot of just co- simply calling him up uh, is is not likely, at least. Yeah,
0: that that really that really sucks that arraignment there because it sounded like it was gonna be a one day thing. That really that really does suck that he can't he couldn't get on the field tonight.
1: Yeah, before I give my Marwin take because I'll forget did Santana get DFA'd or something? I, I haven't seen anything. No, nah, he's still
2: going through his rehab. Oh, he's but, still rehab. Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: I'd right. be surprised if the they move
2: him to the sixty-day DL instead of instead of DFAing him. It wouldn't surprise me if he moves to the sixty-day um, in a couple of days here, but I don't think that we see him in a Red Sox uniform again.
0: Zach Britton oh. just gave up a two-run home
1: run. Nice, and that's the final. White night, Sox night just won. Yeah.
0: Oh man! Wow. There just, we go. <laughs> oh. Just
1: popped up on my screen. All right, so.
0: tonight's not so bad because that was about to get really not good <laughs> for yeah. a
2: second. That's Time to watch the Toronto, game. Toronto is down five nothing to Los Angeles at the moment. Good. That's also oh, a good sign.
0: They
1: can come back though, so I'm not going to hold yeah. my breath on that one for now. Uh, so as far as Marwin goes, I mean, Franchi could get option. There's so many different scenarios that could go into play. My feelings wouldn't be hurt either way, but. This is kind of a weird thing to bring up, but Marwin was a 264 hitter, 2019-2017, 303 hitter. Those were the two World Series years for the Astros. And uh, and also an on-base percentage in 2017 of 377. I mean, how off the charts is that compared to what we've been seeing? So what I'm saying here is 211, in twenty twenty with the twins with a two eighty-six OBP basically hitting about the same two oh five with a two eighty five on base percentage. He hasn't been the same since the trash can stuff. Yeah. You can say his his rise in MLB was entirely due to that whole scandal. And he hasn't been
2: good. 100%. Since. You can't rule it out. He can't hit a curveball. He can't hit a curveball. It's and, actually embarrassing. I mean,
0: let's call for what it is, too. If this was one of the signings that was purely Cora. This was Cora's boy. He wanted him. He wanted that veteran leadership and thought he might be able to bring a little something to the table, but he hasn't been, especially after he got hurt, I think the first time. Um, he It's just been not zero since that uh, date and time.
1: Well, when you think about... Schwarber coming back, Arroyo shouldn't be too far behind him. I wouldn't be shocked if he is one of the moves, though.
0: It's, yeah, I'm cool. I'm good with it. It's t- uh, you know, I love. I I will still believe in Franchi, but send him down. Send down half these guys. I wouldn't mind going to a shorter bench, uh, and yeah. It, I cannot wait for Arroyo to come back is what it comes down to. I think I was talking about this last week, too. I think Arroyo makes a world of difference, as we've seen. He brings energy, he brings depth, and it's he brings everything they need.
1: If he can stay healthy for more than five minutes. I, would, I tried so hard to be an Arroyo guy, but it's impossible for me to not really be a pessimist. And I get that some of the 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 injuries have been flukish, but you look at that outfield collision that he got into with, I think, Kike or whoever the sound. Yeah, that's who it was. It was Kike. And the, the, the balls off the hands. I mean, these weren't serious injuries. These... He they didn't require surgery or any extensive treatment. Thank God, you I hate to keep going back to oh four oh seven, but these are the types of things that some of these guys might have grinded through, and I just don't think he has the toughness to be an you know an MLB I, player. I don't know
0: about that. I mean, he getting hit on the hand in the same spot twice—that is something else. And I I literally from Denver felt his groin like injury (laughs) that was well that was a soft that was a
1: soft tissue injury which which is never gonna
0: get hard again after that thing
2: that was that was that was bad i really think that he has the ability to with some luck stay healthy but freak injuries i mean anyone can have a freak injury so the two balls getting hit on the hand I, i don't really blame him for that the hamstring, it's not like he was running the bases and pulled his hamstring. He was playing first base and stretching out, which is not a position he's ever played before and had a little bit of another injury. So it's its really just bad luck. It's not a conditioning injury. So to me, they don't go in the same category. If you continue to pull yeah. your hamstring because you're running in the outfield, that's one thing, right? But if you're stretching out for a ball at first you never play first, that makes sense.
0: Didn't we all know,
2: like, that
0: kid growing up, too, that always had the cast on, always had something wrong with them? You know, there's just some people that just are built that way, where they're susceptible to getting messed up. It's like, how did that kid just break his arm? Like, <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but it, evidently he's one of them, and he just happens to be a world-class athlete, which that sucks. <laughs> That's super unfortunate for him.
1: I'm just talking about a playoff run where we need to depend on some stability at that position and and having him presumably hitting 6th to 8th somewhere in the order, and we just can't count on him. I'm uncomfortable with it. This might not be the best example because he was a pitcher, but you knew Clay Buchholz was going on the, the DL one or two times minimum at some point in the season, and I don't know how many times we got stung by that because he'd be pitching really well. And who, who yeah, he was, was another one of those guys who was the next man. Up? He, and he definitely, I think had a toughness problem. He just wasn't a tough guy. Like some of His the other body guys. was
0: weird. Like when he went to the hospital that time, when he get a belly button, t- no, that was, no, that was sale that was sale in the playoffs. Who knows? Buckles probably got a belly button ring too, but I, he, he like had this weird issue I remember sports
2: media. It was the or sports It was, radio the, it was the cradling
1: weird. issue with his kid. You mean? And then Wait, he, what happened in 2013? Well,
2: I mean, there's always going to be some of those, right? He, it's like the David Price and the carpal tunnel. There, there's like, oh, there's always that was fun. a load
1: of crap too. He was his well, ass was on the mound that Saturday in Toronto. That's but. The with Buckholz, he was cradling his kid awkwardly when he fell asleep in the 2013 season. Is that what you meant?
0: No, he like went. He was in the hospital for a bit. He uh-huh. had like a hospital stretch. Oh, I think and, I remember that. Yeah, and I remember 985 was like super irresponsible, like. What if he's on drugs like meth and it was like, dude, <laughs> like they fuck, come on, like <laughs> can't say <see> that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that might. Who knows? I forget what year that was. I think we were out of it the whole year, and that's why it wasn't memorable because we were getting killed anyway. But I just, I have serious concerns about Arroyo, and if we could get the guy that that's been healthy, that shows us what he can do when he's healthy, I should say. That's the guy I thought was going to have that breakout year and he's played 70 games and we just played game 116 or something like that, you know, out of the 162. So I'm an extreme pessimist with him and I I hate that I am, but I I can't help it. Um, I mean, so are the Giants, right? I mean, yeah, that's 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 the intrigue. This is the fourth, at least the fourth organization he's been with. But so we'll we'll see what happens when when Arroyo does get called up when Schwarber gets called up who's gonna get bounced and and whatnot I'd love to see I hope Bobby. it matters
2: I hope it still matters let's put it that way I want A Bobby more losses it won't
1: yeah um, so anyway um, let's see any dishonorable mentions to get into Vasquez unfortunately was on bereavement leave i'm not even sure the details of that but was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts in his one game yeah did
0: you terry i don't know did you watch on tv or were you radio in it today radio, radio. in job you obviously we were at the game um they made a comment about how hunter Wendelstadt, the uh, home plate op it got caught in the hot mic telling plowekie to tell him that he's like thoughts and prayers were with him Oh. so I, it's definitely someone close it's I, I mean that's what the bereavement list is so i mean i was say hopefully that, everything's good with them
1: it might have been just a grandparent that was older or whatever i mean
0: yeah i mean there's never a best case no so i know i guess that you, might be you that don't, you don't like to lose people but you know, i don't think
1: it was like a child i, I think we would know right I hope, yeah, yeah i really hope not yeah i we shouldn't even really be speculating anyway but Uh, Franchi Cordero, pretty painful throughout the series. One for eight with five strikeouts. So, kind of reverting back to his earlier season self at the plate. And I guess that will about do it. Well, actually...
2: Can we can we just like make it clear that the entire bullpen belongs in that conversation?
1: Oh yeah. Well we're getting into it. Like, next I know we're episode. gonna cover the deep dive. Yeah, yeah. There were I'm some. I'll give it. You know who else? Go ahead.
0: Plowecki. Ploeki today was bad. Cause who knows what that game would have turned into if they didn't that throw he threw out to Duran in center field, that was so stupid. He had that base stolen. And now it's twenty six, or at least last time I've checked, twenty six of twenty nine guys have stolen successfully on the year against Plawecki. And I like Plawecki; I think he deserves some more time. But maybe it's at first base until Schwarber's ready. And I don't know. I'm going to be be. honest.
2: Uh, I thought that Plowecki today was bad behind the plate, but he had one of the two hits. It was a single, but it could have easily been a double if it didn't bounce off that that. wall there at behind the third base bag and kick out to the left fielder it could have easily been a double and he's at least putting the ball in play which is and, more than we can say for most of the lineup and i also he couldn't get on the same page with robles
0: which led to the balk he like gave him the let's go back through it and it kind of threw robles off and i thought he got off pretty easily on that i mean robles obviously a newer guy on the team he I don't. Know. It was it was a weird situation. Maybe call time if you're the catcher and go out there and get on the same page and don't risk it with the bases chucked. Uh, I don't know. I I watched that and I was like, oh god damn it! Why like why didn't he just call time? But it, the neither broadcaster brought it up and I was a little uh, interested by that.
1: Perhaps the best alignment would simply to DH him, like I think was the case in Game One of the series put JD in the outfield and you you got a lot less Duran in that situation but
0: thank you for reminding me about that JD deserves some hate because that first game yeah. he threw into third for no freaking reason yeah let uh I think it was allow or someone come into second and that's what Pretty much cost him the game because that was the winning run. It would have been, uh, yep. yeah, been a one run inning. Yeah,
1: would have been a one run inning. Yeah, I know.
2: As too. far as the the dishonorable mentions, I mean, there's a lot when you lose five series in a row, right? We can yeah, we're like 12 deck. guys. <laughs> we're like 12 guys deep, right? Half the roster. Alex Kaur is at the top for me, and he will be until he makes the right move. And it's not Hein Bloom because. I want people to listen to the rest of the take, the rest of the episode. The second you say it's Hein Bloom's fault, everybody in Boston seems to turn you off now. So we're gonna blame Cora instead, but it's really Hein Bloom's fault. Uh, that, the beat writers
1: are going after Bloom now. So
2: finally, it's about time because there's some serious issues with this team that we'll get into mostly in episode two.
1: I do want. Let me just raise this question, and it's for the future, but. Is is Korra ever just gonna get frustrated with what he has to work with? I mean his bench is trash. I think they're
2: hell yes.
0: <laughs> but I I don't know. I because honestly the guys that like won him games in twenty eighteen, they're still paying for. Uh literally like that's their salaries could be used to actually make this team better in spots that they've had weaknesses. So I don't I don't I don't think so
2: that they signed a shit. No, I agree. No, no,
0: I I agree. It's just like they're paid for past sins still. And it absolutely sucks that they have all this dead weight, which you know, kind of fitting with the Orioles pretty much buying out Chris Davis's like quadrillion dollar contract today. But yeah, there's just something dollars. There's so much dead you know, dead assets on the squad, and that's that they managed to somehow, well actually it couldn't with Hanley and Pablo and that's finally off and now you're dealing with Dustin's who is isn't too much and David Price's who is more than Dustin's and that's that's not good. That's twenty six million dollars you could use to make this team so much better than it is. There's no way Heim Bloom is I'm tired
1: sitting, of hearing that. There's no way Heim Bloom is true. sitting at home right now thinking he he feels good about the moves he made because i don't think he intended to be in first place as far into the season as late july and he stuck with the moves he made as far as the division goes he finished in fourth place at the trade deadline as far as moves goes everybody else outworked him and yeah some of them paid big prices but there wasn't a ton of creativity there. And if you ask me, the biggest mistakes were really before the season started. If this roster was I, better at the start of the season, when these guys only cost money and not prospects, I,
0: I think we'd be in better shape right now. But there, he's been also balancing the budget. Like, If you let him go over this, they could have easily bought out guys, just paid their salaries and given up so far lesser prospects. Uh, I, and that I would have brought in him into he that.
2: Watch. He doesn't watch the big league club. He's a, he, he's a yeah, Worcester Of course Red he does. You know, I, I, like he that's not true. The, he wants the minor league clubs to be he want, ready to well, feed this team in three years. Well, he also wants assets to be able to get good players, and he hasn't had I just them. I don't think he ever wants to deal from the stack. He's like Sherrington, and I—I I don't blame What him stack so was he? Did he have to deal team.
0: from? We had a twenty-fifth start system. 20?
2: Yes, we did. we did. But at this deadline, we had some. Good I would training. love it. You can move on. From yeah, but then you're or going. Nick, you're but then, or then you're back to shit. Downs move on from one of them to get somebody worth something you don't have to move it's, from that's everybody that's not true
0: if you look at any of the players that were moved the equivalent for Kimbrell was Cassis you're not doing that Downs is having an off year because they aggressively promoted him after he skipped the level and he's only had four bats versus guys that have been older than him and uh, he's gonna honestly he should get demoted just to get into some similar competition You're not going to trade Nick York and Blaze Jordan. That was the package. That would have been the equivalent package for uh, Anthony Rizzo, who the way it's lined up, Schwarber's going to be part of the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry before Rizzo is. Rizzo got his ass set out for two weeks. And um, the Padres traded for some schmuck. Can't even think of his name. And they had to give up their fourth-ranked prospect in a far better system. So he'd just be at square one all over again if they traded all these assets away. And you can't do that. I would have spent the money I, before I don't the disagree. season. I, I, don't, I don't
1: have a huge problem with the trade deadline. I, I wonder to myself if he could have been a little bit more creative and made something happen that way. We'll never know. I mean, how much he, was C.J. Krohn going to cost and then have Schwarber well, go to the outfield? That at
0: no, no, that's different because the Rockies didn't trade anyone. Yeah. They said they're not. Then they held on to Story. They're, they're not like trash. They're not the people giving. They're outraged. They're not
1: giving Crone the qualifying offer. So I that that one's no, they no. He was only
0: making a million. So, they didn't give up Story. They didn't trade up. They didn't trade Gray. They, so the Rockies. Those make sense. Uh, Those make sense. So, keeping Terry, keeping let, Crone doesn't make sense. No, none of them did. So, Terry, I will agree with you, and I will say that if the Red Sox ownership had a crystal ball and Heimblum can be like, look, we're going to be in first place at the deadline, let me spend in the offseason, mm-hmm. I think he absolutely would have done it. Last
1: season, yeah, if he had a crystal ball and could see to late July and be like, geez, I'm going to be in first, we don't have some of these guys on the roster. He would have made better moves last
0: yeah, the financial I, I, aspect of it sucks. He's handcuffed right now.
1: I what? But what was that gonna? That, what was that gonna cost us, though? I mean, the Fabian, tax. Fab, I mean, we were a lot. Fabian didn't sign the anyway, so, enough, so that would have been the pick enough. we lost.
0: Doubt yeah, it. But then they they probably wouldn't have drafted Marcelo Mayer if they didn't have the second round pick.
2: That they I, wouldn't have taken. Well, him. They
0: would have. They would have had to go under slot at that point. Um, I,
1: that doesn't. That's
0: not even. So,
1: a uh, huge well let's make it
2: clear here we talked about this team as ranging anywhere from a 75 win team for Charlie to a to an 84 win team for some of us on the show right
1: well, I, I think andrew was 86 I had 87. I know, yeah know, or 86 or 87 something like that
2: and right and i don't think any of us thought this team would be in first place come the all-star break Time Bloom didn't think they would be a first place come the all-star break. He thought they would be sellers at the deadline. If you look at the moves that he made and the They wouldn't have bought out of Vino I
0: don't agree with
2: that. Why not? Why not? Nine million dollars, you're under the tax, and then you could sell Barnes. Barnes would have been worth a pretty penny of prospects. And if you give if you look at the expiring contracts on the Red Sox roster, including Erod and Barnes, the two big ones, right? And then J D can opt out. If you move those three pieces, we have a top five farm system in baseball. The way that we already do; the these guys' price tags are.
0: He rebuilt he have it. We had, we're going to have a top five going into next year. They have three top he have twenty guys. Top.
2: So we would have had the top.
0: But without selling and record. remaining competitive, he literally rebuilt a top five
2: system. I, I'm just, I, 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 what I'm saying here, Andrew, is that he didn't think that he would be in a position to buy, and so therefore he didn't set up this team. With some moves, then, some then why
0: then why did they expensive. go after Kluber? Why did they sign uh, Garrett Richards?
2: Because you know, somebody's got a pitch. I don't
0: think he was convinced. He could have spend a million dollars
2: on someone. I Trump, don't. They went right up to the tax. But if the tax is the issue, and I, I believe it is, it is. Then that's, that's on not blue. Too. No doubt, it's on ownership. That's on, on every ownership. I, I can't. For the firing of John Henry, he owns the damn team. Oh, I don't care about that. I think they, I, I think it's a baseball problem. I don't think
0: it's a Red Sox ownership. And they spend more than every other team every single year, except for the Dodgers. I, I don't, it, I think the, I, it's a stupid ass thing that they have this ridiculous tax that gets pay, players paid and gives a better product. I think it's the dumbest thing. And I think it holds back teams from going all out. That's the issue at hit.
1: I don't think ownership, a lot of people are making ownership out to be the bad guys, as far as to why the deadline played out the way it did, why the current roster looks the way it does. I firmly believe that this is Bloom's team. He's calling the shots and I think he basically punted. He gave us a little bit of a chance, but I, I think he punted coming into the year, thinking we're we're probably not going to exactly be that good.
0: Not, yeah, and but they had he punted he three million dollars in cap space. He but look at his free agent signings; they were honestly great. For other than Richards, I,
1: I Perez great. wasn't great.
2: I mean,
0: per- well, I mean. Perez was on the team last year. That was a re-sign.
2: But no, you look I, at Kike. You look at
0: Renfro. And, those were amazing.
2: I'm hot. I'm and, not saying that no, this I'm whole sorry. thing is Heim's fault. And Terry, I am gonna let you go. No, no, I'm you got The whole go. thing is Hime's fault. I just think that Heim Bloom could have done more season to help this team. And the reason that he didn't is because he was looking at it and saying, "I don't want to add any contracts that I can't move if we're in last place come July."
1: That's uh, a fair point. Here's one other thing, and this is what frustrates me when we made our picks as far as the division winners and, and who's going to the world series on the American side, we American league side, excuse me, we were all over the board and there wasn't one bona fide. This is the team that's going to the world series. The white Sox, I thought looked pretty good on paper, but I'm like, well, with La Russa, the fact that they're a trash organization, not much, you know, better than the Mets really, as far as optics and, and, you know midseason meltdowns and and whatnot. I I wasn't a believer in the White Sox, and at present, I think the Astros are probably going to be the team to go to the World Series. But I didn't. I wasn't thinking that at the start of the season. There wasn't one bona fide team that was a surefire like on the other side, the Dodgers. Heim Bloom had a, a golden opportunity to to outfox all these GMs in, in the American League and and really put his stamp on it and he didn't do it. He didn't do it. We ended up with a lot of the guys we hate that we just brought up. So, I it's frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. Next year's free agent market is a little bit wonky. You know, there's some pitching
2: available. Uh, but I'll I don't say even think you can look at it, Terry. Because there's a new CBA coming and everything's going to change.
0: True. That's true as well. Which is good because if there's still a tax, they can blow by it now. There, if they, well, that's
1: what I was about to say. There's no excuses if, if there is a tax. Like If there's a guy, an impact bat, and you can have him for three to four years, say, and may, maybe the average annual value is going to be 20 or $25 million, I don't want to hear the word luxury tax one time. Anything short of a of a goal of going to the World Series next year, that's a massive disappointment to me. That's a massive and disappointment.
0: I agree with you, and I. But I, I'm saying at that point, that's not on the GM or the president. That's on that's strictly the wallets of the owners, and I think that's a shame. If that if they want to do that,
1: they're going to be all in because Bloom is getting killed right now. He's he's taking bullets right now. And he came out what yesterday and said, Well, Twitter isn't the end of the world, but the beat writers are roasting him too. All the guys that set the narratives for the fan base are roasting him. So there's no way ownership's gonna want to sit through a whole winter with anything other than the mindset I, we better win next year.
0: I wouldn't want to do if I was Bloom either. He's taking some heat because, you know, it's like, all right, you walk in last he's year, because
2: he keeps making crappy moves.
0: But like trading bet, I mean, he had to come in and do the most unpopular move in Boston sports history.
1: Yeah,
0: and yet last year he had a negative budget to work with, literally a negative budget. This year he had to make chicken salad or chicken shit, and then next year I'm if I'm him I'm pounding the chest, be like, listen, we've been under for two years now we have to go over the text. I don't care what the penalties are. We can afford the hit of losing a, a draft pick, getting moved 10 spots down, and they can do that now because they have a farm system built back up. And even if they lose their first round pick, they have a they have two high second round, well, one high second round pick and also another second round pick. Now that they didn't sign Jug Fabian, so they actually they set their bonus pool up well next year to lose a first round pick. So you can so sign a guy, or do. Here's my
2: question. My here's my question, though, Andrew. Do you think that this is acceptable from Heimbloem? Like just one. Like do you do you yes. think that the position he's in has been acceptable? Absolutely. He mm-hmm. literally brought us
0: two great players in free agency. He had to stay under the tax in the trade deadline, and how else is he can do it? He got the best bat on the market. Nelson done shit. Anthony Rizzo has COVID. The, okay, there was but COVID the, is, the, the,
2: is a factor you can't control. Okay, but Jonathan Scope wasn't traded.
0: Three of the guys, three of the first basemen we thought were going to be available were not. Santana, the Royals said no. Scope, the Tigers said no. They said no, we're extending him, and they did that. The Rockies said, "What the fuck is baseball? We don't know what's going on." And they kept CJ Cron and the rest of their team, and just like goddamn idiots. So, yeah, they went out. They got Kyle Schwarber for Aldo Ramirez, who is battling some injuries right now. They lost a lot of their trade assets before the season, and with injuries and whatnot. So, yeah, I think when you have a you know a finite amount of re- financial resources. Yes, I think he's done exactly what he could have because okay, they were. So,
2: so then I'm going to ask this. I'm going to leave Theo out of it because he's obviously the best general manager that we've ever seen. Ben Sherrington, Dave Dombrowski, Hein Bloom. That's like two guys that are on very opposite ends of the spectrum than Hein Bloom. you got to rank them one, two, three. You know, one being the guy you want the most, and three being the guy you want the least.
0: Well, definitely not Sherrington. I mean, we saw his drafts were just terrible, and he also signed ridiculous free agent signings. Those were terrible. He got two guys bought out. Uh, Dombrowski just kicked the can down the road. Dombrowski's the guy that if I have an 88-year-old owner, I'm bringing him in because I know he's going to give me a World Series in three years and then just salt the earth like on his way out because he left no assets. So – yeah, if you need a World Series appearance or like multiple uh ALCS, NLCS appearances in three years, I'm gonna Dombrowski because he will trade everyone, which I think is honestly easier than people give him credit for. But Bloom is rebuilding, and I'm I'm a hundred percent fine with how he's rebuilt the system and the assets he's gotten, because building uh a farm system on the fly while contending is not; those things don't go hand in hand. But so here's my thing, normal. though:
2: if you are focused on building the farm system, and it's at the expense of the big bleed club, is you it though? your job. Is it
0: actually at? Because what reliever would you have wanted, Kimbrel? Because then they're above the tax. And then gone, you lose your. I would
2: have gone and got Richard Rodriguez from the Pirates.
0: Did they trade him?
1: Yeah, he oh, went to the Padres, maybe.
2: Oh, oh, you're you're correct. They did. They did trade yeah. him. And um, he, well, he, not he was the Padres though. The Padres went and got um the Nationals closer Davis, I think. Oh yeah, and they—that's who they traded their like fourth
0: overall Hudson. prospect Hudson.
2: There. Hudson for their four overall. That yeah, was over that w- yeah, that. Yeah, that was. The there, Bra- there did there the Braves get guys him? Out there Went and okay, and Rodriguez. they traded.
0: To okay. Toronto.
1: Le- but- Let me say this about Sherrington. I, I I'm pretty sure he built the farm system under Theo. So he drafted for Xander, Mookie, all that. You look at the Toronto system. He he was he was their top minor league guy for two or three years. He brought in Teoscar Hernandez, who murders us every time. Lourdes Gurriel. So I think he's a smart executive that had ownership breathing down his neck. Bill James breathing down his neck. I thought he made a lot of smart moves to that 2013 roster. And it worked out. And it's fine. I mean, go ahead and disagree. It, w- the ultimate verdict will, will be five or six years from now. When, That's what I was about to
2: say. I just look at it and I say, GM... Had since Theo, World Series and gotten fired within five years of each other. Why did okay them have such a long leash? Oh, it's because of he, long of leash. The it's been a year and a half, two and a half, two and a half well, after the season. Well,
0: no, that'll be a full two.
2: Okay, now, so he, he, he's two years. he's been
1: here for parts of three seasons, but,
0: but that's fine.
1: Yeah. Well, I, well, no, okay. No, I, it I take it back. I, t- I take it back. Yeah. Cause he, he got hired after he wasn't hired immediately after Don Dombrowski. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I no, take it back. It's,
0: a, it, it's a long process. It's baseball. And you know, Theo for all the credit he gets, it was a different game back then the Red Sox made a living off of uh, qualifying offers back then, which used to every single player, used to get an A or a B, a qualifying A or a B. And the Red Sox would always get about four of those guys at the deadline, and they weren't even that good, but they would give them a B at the year at the end of the year because that's what they would do, and the Red Sox would get a second-round pick. And that's how their farm system used to get built up so well. And they got all these guys. They Every year in, year out, they had three first-round picks and, like, three second-round picks. And that's how Theo built it up. And Theo – was honestly one of the worst gms in chicago he said w- when he first said uh signed on he said i'm gonna build this up to be a uh i think a pitching factory was his quote and he didn't develop one single starter for the for the cubs so i think there's a lot of revisionist history his free agency record wasn't good yes. on both teams atrocious
1: really. yeah the Hayward contract, especially Ugh. in Chicago, who still he was the one guy who didn't get moved this year. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're running late, so we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about Heim Bloom quite a bit over the next probably six weeks, hopefully for the better. But
0: <laughs> all right, uh, um, should I open in my stud so, here? Did yeah. You go make ahead. This one quick? Yep. All right. Mine is the guy that has the highest WAR for AL pitchers in the league. And that's Nate Evaldi. It's at 4.1. No one above him on the list if you go on fan graphs. He's an absolute stud. Um, here, pulling up some uh, Red Sox notes on Twitter. He also leads the AL in home runs allowed per nine at .61, which is ridiculous. Second in K to walk rate at 5.36. He is coming through this year. And I'm not going to say anything about health because I'm not jinxing anything right now. Nate Evaldi has been just an absolute gem all year long. Last night he absolutely brought it 10 strikeouts, I think it was, at the end of the day. And it, I, I couldn't have been happier. Kept the pitch count low. That's what they needed.
2: It was exactly what we needed. I know scoring 20 runs helps you win a ball game, but what we really needed was some length to rest some of these bullpen guys that are high leverage specifically who really should not have been in there in a close game. We're going to talk about those guys in the second show that we do for deep dives. But without Evaldi going seven, it's a whole different outlook. Even if the same the same final score shows up, right? Even if you score 20. If he goes five innings instead of seven innings, then you're putting an extra inning on Barnes and an extra inning on Ottavino or an extra inning on Barnes and an extra inning on Taylor. And then they're not – rested for this Baltimore series. They're not rested well enough to go for doubleheaders in New York and you're putting a lot of stress on this already overtaxed bullpen that's two arms short. Not one arm short two arms short because we already talked about Rios and Davis. Both those guys have been terrible. It's exactly what we needed from Aduvaldi. He's been our stopper. I can't wait for him to take the ball in game two of an ALDS or I would give him the ball in the card game.
1: I don't have a ton to add on Evaldi. He's been extremely impressive. He's been on the stud side of our, excuse me, studs side, studs side of our uh, segment for much How of the season. You? I know. I'm trying to get his <laughs> innings pitched. So 133 innings pitched, which scanning up through the list, this will be his third. Highest season in that category, so he's probably on pace for what at least 160, 170. I would think.
0: Yeah, and- he's kept my dreams to my prediction of no one above 170 uh, or 175 alive. Yeah, and they, the Red Sox have a lot of games in hand too, so they do have some off days coming up for the rest of the year. So I'm really hoping they might be able to build in a skip week for him, just it wouldn't be the worst well you can bring up see C- well
1: we we got to win though so that's that at this point there's no higher priority uh, i think that's kind of a game changer you didn't see any guys on on monday by the way or excuse me tuesday cuz monday was an off day so you didn't see any guys on tuesday get that extra day off it was all hands on deck for the first time in a long time going either into an off day or coming off of one uh, with the exception, of course, Verdugo, but that was paternity uh, leave-related, which apparently uh, everything came out fine. And just to wrap up my that part on Evaldi, his second highest uh, innings pitched of his career was 154 and a third. That was in 2015, so he's certainly on pace to eclipse that. And then 199 uh, the season before that in 2014 with the Marlins was his highest it's too bad he pitched just one more out he would have had 200 innings but uh fell one out short that season so he won't he won't get that far but i figured he he would have done at least a four-week stint on the dl by now injured list whatever so it continues uh, you can't
2: to be... you can't be upset with anything he's given you this year he's without a doubt been more durable than anyone anticipated especially terry And he's been better than anyone had anticipated based on what we saw in 2020.
1: Absolutely. Who is your stud, Job?
2: I can't believe I'm saying this. I feel like I should be pinching myself. My stud for the first time this year, Bobby K. Dahlbeck. Bobby! K stands for strikeout, so those numbers are still up. Um, But Bobby Dahlbeck had the best night of his career in game two. 5 RBIs in that game. He's currently got 200 at-bats. He's hitting .222 with 11 home runs and 46 RBIs. If you told me that was what we were going to get from Bobby Dahlbeck, I would have been upset because I wanted him to hit .230, maybe .240 this season. But he's brought his numbers up significantly. I'm not upset with it at all. He's hitting in his last 15 games a respectable .257, .381 OBP, and a .429 slugging. I'll take that. Power numbers still aren't really coming up. But I had to go to 15 games because his last seven games he's hitting 376. And that's not really indicative of how good he's been. But 276 is really good from him right now. He's getting hot at a time when we need him. His job is gone in a week. So he's fighting for his job and it's good to see some fight from him. He was all over uh Tampa in this series. He did not play today in game three. I think rest him for one reason, one reason only. Give him something a positive to look at coming out of a series. When was the last time that Bobby Dahlbeck came out of a series and the outlook was positive for the entirety of the series?
1: I don't even know. He hasn't recall. been all season. Nope.
2: In Minnesota <laughs> the minnesota probably. series earlier in the year probably right where he was five for seven or something like that so for me bobby's my stud did not play in game one outside of a pinch running opportunity and he did not play in game three core is trying to keep him out of the lineup unless the matchup is favorable i like that from alex cora it's one of the few things i think he's doing right is kind of Piecing together this first base slot until Kyle Schwarber is ready, hopefully. Um, I also think we need some help in the outfield, so we'll see which way we go with that. But Bobby Dalbeck was fantastic in Game Two. I hope... nothing to add to that. Oh, oh I'm sorry. sorry. No, you're gonna, go. yeah, gonna give
0: you a go. nothing to add. I'm gonna give a prediction: two run... two home runs, nine RBIs for Bobby in the in the Baltimore series coming up.
2: Oh, I hope so.
1: I'm not a bu- I'm, well, I, I, Charlie might hate him more than me, and hates a strong word. He might, he might be rooting harder for Dahlbeck to get traded in the offseason, maybe like 1% harder than me, but, um, it was good to see. It was in the middle of that offensive explosion, five ribbies. He, he even got intentionally walked like, the pitcher was like, I want no to part face of Durant. I want no part of Bobby. Yeah, give me Duran. And it
0: showed his toughness because he almost died after that hit by pitch too. Oh uh, yeah. When he kinda <laughs> faked
1: towards Fate the fake charged. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was a good one. He's playing loose.
1: Yeah, I but I still don't trust him in late in and clutch situations and I, like I said, he's he's got no future in Boston if they definitely sign Devers cuz Casas will get the other. Nah, just
0: go to Worcester, rake and trade. That's all you got to worry about. That's what we want.
2: I I mean, at this at this pace, right? Hitting 220, 11 homers, no one's going to want you as, as your first baseman. Right. If he goes down to Worcester and he hits 280 and Based on what we know about Worcester, he'll probably have like 35 home runs. Can you move him somewhere? I hope so. I- I'd love to see that, and then Casas comes up and plays. I think that's more of a next-deadline kind of move, more so than a uh, off-season move, because I don't think Casas is going to be your first baseman at the start of next season.
1: Well, Schwarber has a mutual option. I, I think it's a mutual option, so I don't Which know. Which
2: he if- will decline if he's healthy. He absolutely, yeah, based he, on his... I don't know if
0: one of those has ever been picked up in the history of baseball. Yeah, I think the, you know, the mutual option
2: is going to be declined no matter what. It's Don't even bother talking about it as you, far as what his contract You could is.
1: be right, but the problem with waiting till next year, Bobby could fall on his face the first half and then have zero trade value, whereas he does have some at this very moment, I would say, you know, as the season's winding down. So. Well, so,
2: Terry, we talk about guys like Bobby like their prospects because they're new to the big league club. Bobby Dalvik is 26 years old. This is this is pretty much what you're going to get from him. He's not going to improve a whole lot between now and his peak of age 27 season uh, or 28 season in two years. And if he does for somebody else, congratulate that team. They're extremely lucky. Thanks. Move on. It's It's one of those things where – You can't expect much more than you're getting currently, and um, if you do, it's gravy.
1: I agree he's not going to be much more than he is, but you're always going to have that one team that thinks their hitting program's going to fix him, and, and, and that's how the move gets made, I think. But... We're running really deep right now, so I'm just going to gloss over some honorable mentions. Xander Bogarts, 4-for-12, hit a home run, albeit off a position player, but uh, very good throughout the series. Had a couple of walks in that 20-run game. Uh, Devers, 3-for-10, drove in a run today. Uh, Hunter Renfro, 5-for-11, hit a huge dinger. Should have... Helped us win game one. Had the had the bullpen not imploded, again much more on that on deep dives. Uh, Connor Wong one for one with a ribby in that one at bat. Eduardo Rodriguez looked very good. Five and one third innings. Uh, gave up four hits, two earned runs, walked one, struck out eight. That's pretty much par for the course for him on a on a positive outing. I wanted to talk about Tanner Houck this episode, but that does kind of fit in with our Deep Dives format. So we will be talking about Tanner Houck at least a little bit in the next episode. He was okay today. I had some issues uh, when the the third time Through the Order came up. And then finally, I guess I'll give the last one to Josh. Taylor had a couple of uh, decent outings uh, out of the pen as well and salamora actually in game one uh looked okay after a scare in his previous appearance where he left the game with uh, a, an elbow injury it seemed but he yeah it looks
0: like, like it was gonna be bad
1: yeah he's but didn't didn't rubber band man yeah <laughs> only missed a couple of days and came back so so that's it for that let's just kind of Briefly, that's going to be hard with Chris Sale being in the series. But um, we're facing the Orioles for the first time since it feels like April, probably May. But uh, we Need got it. got I've a bunch of since
2: May fifth,
1: I believe. May fifth, okay. We had two or three series, bam, 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 with them, and uh, so it's been a while. But But uh, Spencer Watkins, who I admittedly have not seen pitch one single time, uh, will be going up against Nick Pavetta. Watkins, 422 ERA on the season. Pavetta kind of in a little bit of a rhythm right now. So uh, hopefully this should be a team. Well, they do have some guys that can hit, actually. So, but... Nonetheless, it, it, it should be somewhat of a solid outing for Pavetta.
0: Yeah, you just made that Orioles pitcher up, so I'm going to give that to the Red Sox <laughs> okay. and my Bobby Dahlbeck. My Bobby Dahlbeck prediction uh, will let everyone know my feelings towards how this series is going to go.
2: Yeah, I am mostly hoping for, I mean, obviously we need a win in game one, but what I'm really looking for is six innings out of Nick Pavetta. And if it turns into an offensive slugfest, I still want Nick Pavetta. I, I don't care. Uh, like, I need 100 pitches and six innings from Nick Pavetta in this game. Our bullpen is absolutely gassed, and we have some doubleheaders still coming up. So I would really like uh, to see the Nick Pavetta who faced the Orioles his second appearance against them and not the Nick Pavetta who got shelled in that first three-game set of the season.
1: So I'm boldly going to make all of our picks for us. The Red Sox win this one because Spencer Watkins isn't going to pitch the game of his life. We hope to God he's not going to. It might be possible, actually, but we're going to officially vote against that. Game two of the series, Saturday. The game we have waited for for almost two years, Jorge Lopez Trotting into Fenway with his five seven five ERA, just been getting killed all season long. He's three and twelve on the season. Will uh, get the unlucky straw of facing Chris Sale. I think I know who we're picking in that one.
2: Yep, three
1: and thirteen.
2: I don't even have a pick for the, for this game because I don't care about beating a minor league pitcher. And Lopez is a minor league pitcher.
1: So is Chriselle. He's a si- single eye <laughs> pitcher. TBD versus Eduardo Rodriguez on Sunday. Rodriguez pitches very well against the Orioles. So uh, as long as nothing, weir- out. Yeah, as long as nothing weird happens in the couple of games before, as far as momentum, that should be a win for the Red Sox. So. That should be, I mean, we've lost five series in a row. If we lose with the guys we got in this series, every single one, and I said the, the Tampa series when I, because I've been doing this thing on Twitter where I I post the matchups and everything, all three games look good in that series, and we, we didn't come away with it. Oh so.
2: well, Russ, Moussen is actually, I mean, I was there today. He looked great. He's actually kind of a stud for them right now. Ah, uh, twenty-three games. He's got a three-nine ERA, three-eight-eight um, ERA uh, over his last twenty-five starts. So, he's actually been somewhat of a stud. So that matchup, I I would not have loved for the Sox if if I was picking on the Sunday Show. I'm I not think too I'm upset about it. I think I'm the only one in like
0: that's ever rooted for the Red Sox that has hasn't hit any smashed any panic buttons yet. But if they don't take all three of these – oh, crap, I should say two, three. But if they don't – no, if they don't take all three of these, I'm going to get a little concerned. But, I, I again, I'm still – the schedule is about to get a lot easier after New York, which I think is going to be a fun, fun series. Uh, oh, we finally get a Yankee series. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. We get a Yankee
2: series. And yeah, Taylor I – He's going to be pitching in, in one of those doubleheader games. I might get
0: slightly concerned if they don't take all three of these. Well, fair enough.
1: All right, so we will cut you guys loose with that. 24 hours after this one, Deep Dives will be released. And then on Sunday night, Jason, Charlie, and myself will come back and talk about the Baltimore series and Chris Sale's start. Everybody have a good end of your work week, and start to your weekend. Take care.